0: Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. Today, I'm going to be joined by Ravi Abuvala, and we're going to talk about acquisition strategy, how to grow your sales the easy way. Now, if you've been struggling with a good system to help you move people from interest all the way to sales, to the final sale, I mean, I think you're going to find this really, really fascinating. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelzner on Twitter. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you don't miss any of our future content. Let's transition over to this week's interview with Ravi Abuvala. Helping you to simplify your social safari. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Ravi Abuvala. If you don't know who Ravi is, he's a growth strategist, founder, and CEO of Scaling with Systems, a business that builds end-to-end marketing systems for coaches, consultants, and online service providers. His podcast is called Ravi Abuvala, the Ravi Abuvala
1: Show, actually. Ravi, welcome to the show. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing amazing, Michael. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm so excited. And for everyone else listening, thank you guys for tuning in. I think I think you might be able to get some value from this.
0: I'm 100% confident that's going to happen.
1: Today, Ravi and
0: I will explore a marketing strategy for acquiring new customers, but before we go there, I want to hear your story. How did you get into marketing? Start wherever you want to start.
1: Yeah, I'll keep it kind of tight, I'd be respectful of everyone's time, but it is somewhat of an interesting story. So, you know, my, I come from an Indian background. I know I don't look it, but my dad's from India originally, and at least where I my, from my dad's family you're either an engineer, a doctor, or a lawyer. Those are the three things that you become, right? So I was going down the path of becoming a lawyer. That was always the plan. Not because I had ever worked at a law firm or even cared about being a lawyer. I just thought of all those three things. That was the thing I could be there the fastest and uh, make the most money. And I graduated college and there's something called the LSAT, law school admission test, that you had to pass in order to get into one of the top schools. And I was fortunate enough to be neighbors with uh, one of the top law school admission uh, advisors in the United States. So he told me, don't jump and just take your LSAT your senior year of college. Instead, take a year off and devote all your time, energy, and effort to nailing it, because that'll have a bigger determinant on where you go to school than anything else. And where you go to school will have a bigger determinant on where you get a job, how much money you make, et cetera, et cetera, than anything else. So I graduated in 2016 with the plan of taking an entire year and just focusing only on studying. But literally just a few days after I graduated, I got a call from my dad who lived in Atlanta. I was at Tallahassee in Florida State at the time. And he told me he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Wow! And he was living by himself. And they told him he had to go to chemo and radiation five days a week. And for those of you that are listening to this, you know, if you've had someone experience chemo radiation, you, you can't drive after a lot of those, especially as it gets deeper into the treatment. And so I had to kind of pick up what I was doing and move in with him, which is what every person wants to do right when they graduate college, is move back in with your parents, right? So I had to move in with him. And ju- I always forget to say this in the story. So I want to say it now. He is in remission, he's multiple years clean, where it was a very, very small percent chance that he'd be in remission. Incredibly grateful and fortunate that he is. But during that time period, that year, I was studying for law school. And I was taking them to chemo and radiation five days a week. And it was during this time that I kind of like identified that, you know, maybe law school isn't the thing for me. And I was sitting in these chemo and radiation units and there's people sitting next to me that are 35 years old, 36 years old, you know, even as young as 30 years old. And they had always kind of put off their future because they're like, I have time. Right. And then unfortunately something like that happened. So all of these things the universe kind of aligns and just like throws some bells and whistles at me to be like hey maybe you should pump the brakes and see if this is actually something that you want to do and at the exact same time i read a great book called the subtle art of not giving a f and uh, i read that and i realized that i was only going to law school because of what other people wanted me to do and ironically enough nobody that was telling me to go to law school was a lawyer themselves it was kind of funny then when i actually spoke to lawyers they told me not to go to law school so I was really fortunate in the sense that I figured this out before I'd actually gone there because when you go to law school, you're typically first semester, 30, 50, 80 grand in debt, depending on where you're going. And from there, you're kind of sunk cost in there. So very long story short, I decided not to go to law school. My dad convinced me to at the very, very minimum take the LSAT because I had pretty much trained my whole life to do it. I took the LSAT. I scored a 168, which is the top 10% of test takers in the nation. And I applied and got into some of my dream schools. But instead, I got hit with an ad online of how to start a social media marketing agency. And I remember I DM'd on Instagram and Facebook all the people I could find that had testimonials from this person's webinar. I was like, is this real? Are you really making money online? And they're like, yes, it is real. It's real. And so I ended up uh, buying the person's course. And instead of going to law school, I ended up getting a job in an Italian restaurant waiting tables, making not even $2,000 a month. But what it did was it allowed me to have the mornings and the mid-afternoons to be able to start learning Facebook ads and social media. And it all accumulated to finally, the girl that I was talking to, her dad's a plastic surgeon. And he asked at dinner one night, do you know anybody that can do social media marketing? I want to do it for my plastic surgery clinic. And I had never told anybody what I was doing because I was afraid that my identity was so tied with being a lawyer. That I couldn't tell everyone I was an entrepreneur until I was already, you know, my plan, I was just going to drive up in a Ferrari and show everybody how successful I was, how far from the (laughs) truth that is, right, as you and I both know. And I said, I can help you. And he goes, you can. And I still remember the girl I was talking to, she goes, you can, right? (laughs) Nobody had any idea. And that became my first client. I, I I started an advertising agency from there, scaled that to multiple seven figures, Got out of the advertising agency world serving real estate agents because I kind of got burnt out doing that specific real estate agents. And then I started scaling with systems uh, very shortly after that and made the transition there, which is where we're working with online e-learning companies and building them end-to-end marketing systems. So it's much more of like we are a non equity partner growing a company versus in the advertising agency, I was kind of just throwing ads up there and generating leads for real estate agents.
0: So what year did you start your company that you're uh, doing right now? And what kind of services are you providing people?
1: Yeah. So we started it, I I took the advertising agency, uh, you know, our first seven figure year, I completed that. So that must've been 2018. And I started scaling with systems beginning of 2019. There's like a little bit of a blend period there because the people that I had, was in this course with that I bought for the SMMA. They were all asking me because I lived in Medellin, Colombia for a uh, few months. I lived in Spain, Alicante, all up the coast. And so they're like, hey, we both bought this course at the same time. But, you know, here you are kind of living the four-hour work week a little bit. How did you do that? And I'm like, oh, you know, I did this and that. So I just was doing casual consulting. So it kind of blended together. And then that was the beginning, the conception of scaling with systems. And that has changed over time. Now it's a combination of Uh, like an end-to-end marketing system we'll install to clients so we guarantee them that we will build a profitable marketing system in their company the next seven days so that's typically facebook ads sales funnels and optimizing the sales process but also we have a holding company inside of there where depending on what the company is we'll actually take equity in the company as a portfolio of companies we'll help them scale and either use the cash flow or we'll look for an exit within two to three years
0: Fascinating. Great story. There's so many people in our industry that are recovering attorneys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've had a lot of them on the show, to be honest <laughs> with you. You know, I'm not going to name any of them, but there's plenty, plenty of people that went down that road, realized being a lawyer wasn't for them, and now they're in this space. So okay, so customer acquisition. This is clearly an area that you specialize in. Why is acquisition strategy so important? So many of the marketers that listen to this show They might have a mission to get more exposure. They might have a a mission to sell more. They might have a a mission to generate more leads, but maybe they haven't stepped back and thinked about the high-level strategy of acquiring customers. From your perspective, why is this strategy at a conceptual level so important for those maybe who aren't paying attention to this strategically at a macro level?
1: Yeah, that's an awesome question. Yeah, so this is not to throw shade on anybody that's listening to this that is in social media marketing because I think that, the biggest mistake that people make in this situation, and this is exactly where I started out, was that you're selling, posting social media, or you're selling, I'm writing emails for you, or you're selling these kind of one-off services, and you're wondering why why am I so commoditized? Why can I only charge $500 a month, $1,000 a month, $1,500 a month? And that's exactly where I started as well, until I realized that the real way to make money, especially in the social media marketing world, is by making your clients money. And then I realized that technically speaking, posting on social media is useless unless they are able to monetize it, right? Unless there's some way that those clients are making more money from you posting on social media. And when I go back to when I worked with real estate agents, at one point we were working with hundreds of real estate agents a month, I used to do like 50 different things for them. I would, do, I would write them full 50 plus email, custom email sequences. I would do their website. I would do their social media profiles. I would post on them, all that stuff. But the thing that time and time again would actually generate them leads, which would be why they renewed, was simply ads, ads to a funnel saying, hey, are you interested in buying a home? Here's the best list of homes in this area. And that took me less than 10 minutes to set up. Everything else would take 10 to 20 hours per client to get it going and and to manage it. And so when I finally identified it, it's kind of, I think it's... Bredo's principle, Parkinson's law, 80-20 rule, right? And so I identified the 20% of the stuff that was actually bringing the 80% of the results. I went all in on just the advertising thing. And when I come and I say all this stuff, I'm not saying that you have to learn advertising. I think social media is actually the non-advertising form. Organic marketing is probably the most powerful form out there. But I am saying that you should really focus on, okay, if, let's say a client's willing to pay you $1,000 a month for social media marketing, however they define it you're not going to retain that client very long unless they see a direct and measurable ROI from your marketing efforts. And so if you're just posting and you're like, hey, I'm getting you all this additional reach, which is what I used to show people. Oh, look at the dashboards, you're getting this reach. And either they don't know how to, or they aren't monetizing that reach into actual dollar bills on your account. It's like a ticking time bomb until they actually cancel your services. And so my recommendation, and I'm sure we're going to get into this in a little bit as well, would be to figure out how do I use social media marketing as just one piece of a larger puzzle that would allow the people that I work with to make a lot of money. And if they make a lot of money, then obviously they're happy to pay you or continue paying.
0: Yeah. And the other side of this, for those that are listening that work inside of a business, obviously there's a lot of what you do in social media that is not necessarily directly acquiring customers, but if you can if it can be attributed to you, the activities that you're doing in your job, right? Then you're going to have security, for lack of better words, right? Because you'll be able to justify when and if there's going to be budget cuts, right? You're going to say, well, you
1: shouldn't cut me because I'm actually paying for myself, right? Exactly. And on top of it, as a business owner, if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, I'm not a social media marketer, but you are doing your own social media marketing, then you should always, it's almost even more important, That as a business owner, you should always be auditing your time and figuring out, is the things that I'm doing right here having a direct and measurable impact on my bottom line of the actual company? So if you're just posting because people are you hear other people telling you, you should be posting, you should be doing social media. But what does that even mean, right? Doing social media. And instead, we should start to build a system or a machine that allows you to turn the eyeballs, the attention that you're generating from social media into dollars in your bank account.
0: Perfect transition. So, we're going to dig into your strategy here, but I would love you at a high level, you've kind of hinted a little bit about what it's called, but at a high level, what is the strategy and what is the outcome or benefits that actually can happen if everyone follows what we're going to be talking about today.
1: Yeah, so I I've come up with uh, this kind of system called the machine and I have a bunch of content on it online, but the idea behind it is the machine's broken down into three main sections. But what the machine does is if you have all these uh, sections put together in place in the right order, then you can turn total strangers into paying customers in the shortest time frame possible. You're able to s- cut down your sales cycle considerably and you're able to use leverage, which is where one unit of input equals 10 units of output or more, you're able to use leverage to scale your business. So by installing this machine, You're able to identify what is the best way to acquire customers and then you're able to almost set up, you know, nothing's ever passive or on autopilot. In reality, if you're a business owner, I'm not going to joke you here and say it's on autopilot, but I will say that it will be very, very streamlined and very automated to where you have, whether you're selling products or services, new customers or new clients coming in week over week, month over month with very, very little input on your part.
0: Well, and let's be intellectually honest. Who does not want a machine metaphorically? And we're not talking about a physical machine, right? But who doesn't want a machine that's going to generate customers for us? Everybody wants that, right? I mean, if you're intellectually honest about what the objective of marketing is, it is these days to generate revenue for the business. So let's talk about, you said there were three parts. Let's talk about the first part. What is it? Maybe let's define what it is and then let's kind of dig in a little bit on it.
1: So the first part is probably what most people are aware of, especially most people that are listening to this podcast, and that's gonna be traffic. That's part one of the machine. And traffic is eyeballs. That's the very simplest form of it, right? If we broke down what you're doing online when you're posting, whether it's through ads, whether it's through organic content, is you're trying to get eyeballs. Because eyeballs is attention, and people that can convert eyeballs, which we'll talk about in later steps, the best ways to do that, those are the people that make the most money. So the first step, uh, of eyeballs is to identify traffic sources that you have a unique opportunity or you have a unique ability to be very good at. So I'll give you a great example. I was very fortunate because I started in ads that I'm I'm very good at, at advertising online. I've spent my, my own money. I've spent over $5 million on Facebook ads and $2 million on YouTube and Google ads, not of anybody else's money. This is my own money out of my pocket. So when you're spending your own money, it's a lot different, right? You got to make sure you know what you're doing and you're not wasting any dollars. So I have a unique ability to be very, very good at ads. And at the same time, also YouTube. You and I were talking about this a little bit ago as well. I'm very bullish on YouTube and I love making YouTube videos. It it aligns with my values. And so I identify two areas that I have a unique ability because I enjoy being on video. People have told me they like watching me on video. And so I can leverage that to create YouTube videos with stay online forever. And YouTube will push those pieces of content out to people. That are coming into my funnel, and we'll talk about those in later steps. But the first step is going to be identifying traffic mechanisms that you're able to leverage in order to convert them into customers. And examples of traffic could be paid, like I said earlier YouTube ads, Facebook ads. You could be doing paid joint ventures, anything along those lines where you're paying for the eyeballs. And then the other, if we had to simplify it down, is going to be owned or organic audiences. And this could be email list, your Facebook audience or Instagram audience. This podcast is an example. My podcast is an example as well. And the best and most robust machines that I've seen have a combination of both of
0: them. Yeah. This is fascinating because every business is going to have the obvious things like here at Social Media Examiner, we're a media company, right? So we have very big owned media properties. We've got email We have this podcast, we have our talk show, we have our website, all the articles, we've got our YouTube channel, we've got all sorts of different opportunities that are available to us. And that is something that, you know, not every business has. So I just want people to understand, you don't have to use paid acquisition 100%, do you with the strategy?
1: Not even close. Yeah, it's kind of a combination of both of them. And I would really recommend, unless you understand what you're doing with paid traffic and you have a budget to spend, to do it organically. Now, like I said, my unique ability is around paid. So when we acquire a company or it's in my portfolio, I don't even mess with the organic stuff. We just go straight to paid ads because in my experience, it's the fastest way to grow. Now, like I said at the very beginning, it's gonna be, in order to have a robust strategy that weathers you through account bans and you know recessions, whatever else it is, or co- competition being enduring in your marketplace or industry, it's gonna be the organic. and And the best machines that I've seen for example, we run quite a bit of ads online, but a lot of people, because we have the attribution for it, they don't buy or book a call with our team after they watch the ad. First thing they do, they go to Google, they type in my name, they type in Scaling Systems name, they find our YouTube channel or our blog online, then they consume the organic content and now they're much more likely to convert. So it's kind of a combination of both of them. If you're just starting out or if you're like, where do I start? If you have no experience in paid ads, I would highly recommend starting the organic side of things because I will tell you that organic is kind of it's like the S&P 500 or it's like investing in a long-term asset you're not going to be rich overnight when you're putting $100 dollars a week or a month inside the S;P 500 but compounded over years and years I've been doing YouTube twice a week for over two and a half almost three years now actually I've been doing YouTube two videos a week without missing any of them for almost three years and when that stuff starts really really compounding that's when you'll see the outsized returns from the organic strategies
0: okay so step number one is traffic aka eyeballs right and you need to get you need to figure out a way to get whatever you're doing in front of your ideal audience the accelerated way which is which costs revenue is to obviously use paid acquisition on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, TikTok, Twitter, dot, dot, dot. Or do, like you mentioned, joint ventures or affiliate deals and all that kind of stuff. The other side of it, obviously, is to, instead of investing money, to invest time, which is kind of money, depending on how you look at it, to create media, right? Like at Social Media Examiner, we don't spend a dime on paid acquisition. But we've been, for 14 years, spending a lot of money creating content, right? And that's part of the reason why we're able to actually bypass that. So that's, that's the first step makes total sense. You got to get that eyeball, that traffic mechanism in place. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash get updates. What's the second part of the machine.
1: So the second part of the machine is what I call a lead mechanism. And this is where I would say most people get tripped up. I don't think it's that difficult to get attention online. You can do it being yourself. There's an there's it's easy, it's frictionless to post something online. Literally takes 2 seconds you can have people look at uh, look at your stuff. Where I see most people trip up is the lead mechanism. And I use the word lead interchangeably with, you know, a sales page something on those lines, but the idea behind it is that If you're able to acquire eyeballs, but you're not able to convert those eyeballs into interested parties, not closed deals, but just interested parties through some kind of unique mechanism, then you'll be stuck doing what a lot of these other people do out there, like influencers and uh, affiliate marketers. I have nothing against any of that stuff, but everybody knows that true wealth comes from you owning equity inside of a business, right? So instead of you being relying on somebody else, imagine if you generate your own traffic and instead of having... Let's just use an example. You have an Instagram influencer and they're selling board shorts. Instead of you selling somebody else's board shorts, you send them to your website where you're selling your own board shorts. Now you're in control of your future. And if you're listening to this right now and, and you're a social media marketer for somebody else, then you can use this for your clients as well. But what you need is some kind of lead mechanism. Now, whether you realize it or not, if you are a business, you already have a lead mechanism. And this is where I see most businesses living in almost the stone age a little bit, which is their lead mechanism is uh, they send people to their homepage of their website, which is not optimized. It just says, would you like to join our email list? Question mark. There's no kind of exchange of value at all. And people wonder why their conversion rates are kind of garbage. And they're wondering why they don't see an ROI from their, uh, their traffic. Because if you have the best traffic in the world, but not a good lead mechanism, then you're not going to see that ROI that we talked about in the very beginning of this video. So examples of lead mechanisms would be stuff like free trainings, case studies. If you're able to entice someone to join an email list because they're going to get access to an asset, it could be something that we really specialize a lot in, which is direct video sales letters. So you can create a three to five minute video that just explains more in depth what you do, right? So we have a client that sells life insurance. They're called IULs, Index Universal Life Insurance. And what we did was we built, he had, I think, 200,000 followers on TikTok. But he was DMing everybody inside of the TikTok DMs, trying to get them on a book call. The people were not showing up. They weren't qualified. It was kind of a nightmare. So when he worked with us, I was like, cool, you have the traffic mechanism down, but you're doing the most inefficient lead mechanism as you're having one-to-one conversations. There's no leverage there. What we're gonna do is you're gonna explain to me what this is, and then I'm gonna script out for you a five to 10 minute video where you can explain who this is for, what this is, and why people should speak with you. So we did that and then we added an application to there to where people had to say that they're willing to invest and they have this certain amount of money and all of a sudden, this guy went from literally 300 to 500 messages every single day that he was trying to manage to 20 to 30 qualified applications and booked calls of people that already know who he is, why he's an authority, they already said they're willing to invest and he doesn't have to spend the first 60 minutes of the call trying to explain what this is and what the opportunity is. So that's what a great lead mechanism. It's turning a potentially interested person like, hey, I know who Ravi is or I know who Michael is, but what it is exactly that they do. And it turns that person from that into a name, an email, a phone number, a full-blown application, and even a booked appointment, depending on what your website looks like. And the more leveraged side of things, the more scalable side of things, would be through video sales letters and websites. But what most people are doing, the least leverage is like, oh, just go to my homepage or send me your number and I'll text you over more information or they're having an email chain back and forth. So obviously, there's kind of a sliding scale of what you can do there. But the main idea is that if you use leverageable pieces of content like on a lead mechanism, you can without having to work at all other than when you set it up, you can turn the attention that you're generating into interested parties that are potentially willing to work with you. Uh, through just video sales letters, sales assets, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Yeah, this is an interesting concept because conceptually, you know, we talk about funnels a lot, right? Where you got top of funnel, middle of funnel, and then the bottom of funnel where hopefully someone turns into a customer. Out of the bottom of the funnel comes the customer. But so many marketers are in the business of direct selling, right? Where we're just trying to sell anything, whether it's a consumer product or a B2B product, You know, sometimes it's a course, sometimes it's a conference in my particular case, other times it's workshops or summits or gosh, it could be just about any other product, you know, and and when you start to think about all these different things people are selling, you know, a lot of times like people aren't ready to go from, I like your content, right? To, I want to be a customer and this lead mechanism section here, right? Which is somehow getting them to presumably fill out some sort of a form, right? Right. Allows you, like you mentioned earlier, to kind of own access to that individual. Are we mostly talking about these days email addresses? We also talking about phone numbers and stuff like that.
1: What's your general philosophy and on this? I think the main thing that it depends on is like the 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 temperature of the person, how warm they are, and also like how interested they are in what you have to offer. So, for example, for us. When we're monetizing attention, when we're trying to convert someone, we're using a lead mechanism from a traffic, and eyeball, to someone that's potentially interested in speaking with us, the first thing we'll do is collect name, email, phone number. We just want to get that because people are usually very easy to give that up, right? It's not incredibly easy. People still want something in return, but it's not like I'm going to ask them, how much money did your company make last month right when they I first meet them? So we'll get name, email, phone number. But then on the next page is going to be a video sales letter, which explains to them how we work, how we guarantee our results, case studies, et cetera, et cetera. And now they trust us more. Now they understand us more. And even more importantly, the people that don't trust us, the people that don't understand us, the people that are unqualified, we're not going to waste our time chasing those people down because they're going to disqualify themselves through that video. But the people that do, let's say a good video sales letter or a funnel converts like five to 10% of traffic when you're doing call funnel or applications. So let's say 10% of the people that watch that video say, you know what? revy seems legit i need this offer and i'm willing to speak a little bit more to see if it's a good fit then at that point because now they're coming to us instead of us going to them we can ask questions like what did your business do last month what's your biggest bottleneck inside of your company right now how many team members do you have and people are more willing to give up that information so just like the actual lead mechanism can be on a sliding scale how much information you request from somebody can also be on a sliding scale and for for people listening to this, you can ask for a lot of information or a a lot of uh, stuff up front. Just understand that you typically need to, in exchange, give something else very valuable. But if you go to a website that you've never been to and it asks you for your social security number, very low chance that you're going to give that up. But if they just ask for an email address, then it's very easy to typically give that up because you have more control over that.
0: So I guess uh, digging in a little bit on this video sales letter, let's imagine we're driving traffic to a page. Do we, like, give me a practical example of, of like, what might be on this page? Because I, I think I heard you say sometimes there's a form before the sales letter. Sometimes there's a form after it. So kind of like just walk through a hypothetical example.
1: Yeah, sure. Great question. So for us, the way that we set it up is, and and the great part about a lead mechanism is that when you have a good lead mechanism, you can connect any traffic to the lead mechanism. So My YouTube videos, my YouTube ads, my Facebook videos, my podcasts, my email blasts, they all go to the exact same page. So that's why it's really important to have a good lead mechanism because you'll get what's known as a terminal point, I call it a terminal point, which is all traffic, all roads lead here. So that way you can really start creating split tests, optimizing things, and it makes your business 10 times simpler than everybody coming in at different stages and everybody understanding different parts of your business. So that first point is that terminal point for us as an opt-in page. It's a very simple page. It literally just says, Hey, are you interested in this? Click this button below, enter in your information and you can learn more.
0: And is this like a resource or what is it exactly?
1: So it depends. We can do, you can do a free training, you can do a case study, but we love at our company, we're really great at what's known as direct offer VSLs, which is where it's like, this offer is so good that you just want to learn more about it. Like how is this person even able to do it? And is this person, you know, full of it that you're willing to give up your information? So for us, we'll build an end-to-end marketing system in seven days or less that's profitable or we give our clients our money back. So everyone's like, well, who is this guy? How could he promise this? How has he worked with these kinds of people? So they're willing to learn more because they have that pain point. And if I have the opportunity to solve it for them, they're willing to make a micro commitment, which is name, email, phone number, right? So, But the other examples could be like, hey, here's how we grew social media examiner's email list to the hundreds of thousands. Here's how we hosted events the largest event in the marketing world right these are all things that like I would I would if you were talked about how you did the event I would probably watch that video because I know you do an excellent job with it and we host events as well and I'd be curious like okay well how did you sell tickets
0: is the video on the page along with the written words. And then there's a form.
1: Nope. Cause they, in order to get access to that, they, ha, you, they're exchanging the name, email, phone number. Ah, I see. Okay. So the, the
0: page is, is essentially making some sort of a claim that they're going to get immediate access to something. Exactly. And, and in your case, it's a video, it sounds like, right? Generally speaking.
1: Yep. It could be a video a training. It could even be a PDF, a white paper. It's like a squeeze page is what I think it's known in other places. It's like you're squeezing people through. And once again, A good squeeze page, uh, this first page, we call it an opt in page, could convert at 30%. So that means 70% of people are not giving you their information. And everyone thinks that's so terrible. But I'm not trying to serve and work with and go after every single person that's alive. I'm trying to use this lead mechanism to have people go, okay, I'm interested. And then they go to the next page and then they watch the video and they go, okay, I know more what you're doing and I might wanna work with you. Then they apply and then we see if they're qualified before we even get on the phone with them. So for us, from someone that clicks on, let's say, the ad to someone that actually is qualified on the sales call, it's 1% of people. So like, you have to understand, that's that's why the traffic mechanism is so important. That's why the lead mechanism is so important. We're very specific who we work with because we guarantee our results. But that just means that if I didn't have this lead mechanism in here, then I would have to manually be trying to sort through 99% of people. But instead, because it goes this opt-in page, to squeeze page, to then another page which just has a video on it, which is the thing that I promised on that opt-in page. There's consistency between both those things. And then a final page, which is a booking page where they fill out an application, they book a time to speak with me. That's all automated. I built that one time. And now when we go back to kind of the automated acquisition system, the machine, this is starting to generate you qualified booked appointments in your calendar, which if you're selling some kind of service, that's everybody's dream. You just wake up in the morning, your calendar's full with people who know who you are, why you're legit. They're not gonna no-show you. They probably have an understanding of your price point and uh, they know what your services are as well.
0: Okay. So part of this lead mechanism is this page, which after they fill out the page, there's a video, right? Typically, as in your case, if you do it, it's generally a video. How long is this video and what kinds of things are you generally talking about in the video? Are you just delivering on the promise or are you also doing other things inside the video? Because you called it a video sales letter, which kind of
1: implies it's not just delivering the promise. It's actually selling them on something else, right? Exactly. And I don't want to go too in the nitty gritty, but just people that are listening to this, another great example of this that almost everybody here has heard of is a webinar, right? A webinar is the exact same version of what I'm talking about right here. You opt in your information and then you watch a two hour long video or a one hour long video. Now, in my personal experience, we work specifically in typically the B2B space. And so we don't create two, three, four hour videos because in our instance, we focus more on the very beginning of making the offer really enticing. So if I go up and you're a qualified person, and I say, hey, I'll build you an end-to-end marketing system in the next seven days. And if it's not profitable, we'll give you all your money back. You don't need to sit through an hour-long video to be understand that, okay, that's probably worth having a conversation with. But if I was a commodity, if I was selling the same thing as everybody else out there, then it would be very difficult for me to convince that in five minutes. I'd be like, hey, I'll post content online for you, right? And then it's like, okay, well, why is you posting content better than me posting content? What's different about this? Who have you worked with? So that has a lot to do with how long the video is. But us personally, when we're writing letters for our clients, when I'm shooting for myself, they're typically five to 20 minutes long. And that's kind of a really sweet spot for us where you can cover and you ask what's inside of there. Hey, why should they listen? So there's something called opening the loop, right? Why should they listen to you? So in this video, I'm gonna show you how we're able to have the largest marketing convention year after year without spending any money on ads. Boom, I would watch that in a heartbeat. That's a great opener. I'd be like, wow. They're gonna be like, we do it in four simple steps. Step one is this, step two is this, step three is this, but step four, I'm gonna tell you at the very end and you need to make sure you pay attention because that has more of an impact. And if you don't do that correctly, then the first three steps don't matter. Now we're tying their attention to watch the entire video. So we do step one, we do step two. And then before we even get to the steps, if you have social proof, you can add in that as well. So you might say something along the lines of, now you're probably wondering, who am I? Well, you know, my name is Michael. I run Social Media Examiner. We are the largest like marketing newsletter online. We've worked with people like X, Y, and Z, and we have this huge convention that everyone goes to in San Diego, et cetera, et cetera. Now, let's walk through the thing. So you have to establish authority because once again, what's the difference with you and every other Joe Schmo that they listen and they see an ad or they see a YouTube video from? Then you go into the four steps. So we always try to provide value in some way, even if it's a direct offer, or even if I'm just saying, Like, hey, I'll build this end-to-end marketing system for you. I'm still saying in the video how we're going to do it. And I'm still saying like, hey, the reason why ads probably haven't worked with you previously is because you're working with an ad agency who's just trying to run ads when really ads is just that traffic mechanism. And you need to pay attention to the lead mechanism and the sales mechanism and the offer and all that other stuff. So those are going to be in the middle. And then finally at the end, you're going to say, great, now you know how you can throw in events for this thousands many people without running paid ads but if you try to do this on your own here are some of the things you're going to run into you know my first year i lost $350,000 working with the wrong vendors the other thing that i did is uh, you know i ended up you're just making this stuff up but you're good <laughs> yeah exactly. oh yeah exactly i'm making all this stuff up yeah just so everyone knows yeah, i have yeah. no idea yeah. what he did but, <laughs> but this is what i do right so it's like you're giving the reasons why if they try to do this on their own that it would be dangerous it would be it would be risky And then you tie it around with being like, or instead of trying to go out and do this on your own or work with somebody else, what you could do is you could work with us and we're going to make sure that you set your first event is an absolute banger. We guarantee you'll sell at least 1,000 tickets. You'll get my exact sales pitch and template of what I did from stage and you'll get all of our email and marketing materials of how we sold all these tickets, right? And like I said, if we don't do it, then you don't have to pay. So it's a money back guarantee. So in this 20-minute video, and like Michael said, I just made all this up, but in this 20-minute video, I have shown them who I am, what my qualifications are. I've given them value through the law of reciprocity. Now they feel like they owe me something. And then I've said, hey, it's risky if you try to do this on your own, so you should think about speaking with us. So then when they get on the call, they're not getting on the call being like, why should I work with you? And they're not getting on the call going, what is it you do? And they're not getting on the call thinking like, okay, I'm just shopping around a little bit it's like they really believe in you and they understand who you are and they're potentially willing to move forward. And that's also how you see your closing percentages jump through the roof because now these people are coming in, they've already like almost had a sales call with themselves just watching this video of you. And so then you see a 30, 40, 50% close rate with your sales team or you and it's the easiest sales you'll ever have. And it's very similar, it's akin to referrals. Like if you think about a referral if somebody refers you over to somebody, the reason why those are typically the easiest sales is because you don't have to explain what you do, how you do it, the price point, who, why you're legitimate. Technically, that other person acted as a video sales writer. But referrals aren't very scalable, which is why you need that lead mechanism, which is infinitely scalable.
0: Awesome example. The application. You've already got their name and email address and stuff. Is the application kind of a psychological thing or is it? I mean, talk to us a little bit about
1: that part. Yeah, so it's not psychological by any means. If I could get away with not doing the application, I would because every single piece of friction that you put in that funnel, the lower percentage of people that would go through it. So for example, we could have probably from, like I said in the beginning, 1% of people that click that actually become a book call from us. If we didn't have application, we probably have 10%, 20%. So we could quote unquote 20X our appointments. But the problem with that is that we are very, very particular with who we work with. Yeah. Exactly. So for us, to give you an understanding, we auto curate 50% of people that go through our application. So they did not even get a chance to book a time on our calendar. And then we manually curate another 80% of people that book a time on our calendar. So it's 20% of the 50% that actually booked a time on our, that tried to book a time on our calendar were allowing to speak with us. So let's get to the last part of the machine. Perfect. So this is called sales. This is the sales mechanism. And this is why Everything we've been leading up to here, most people focus this in the wrong order. They focus on the sales first and they try to go, oh, I need to work on my sales. I need to buy all these sales trainings and sales courses. But the problem is you're doing all of this other steps in the one step in your sales mechanism. So this person has no idea who you are. You sent them a cold email. They responded back. They got on a phone call with you. And you're trying to explain who you are, why they should listen to you, why they should buy with you all in this 30 minute sales call. And you wonder why, you know, you're not closing in a high percentage. You wonder why these people aren't buying from you. It, ironically enough, like I said in the very beginning of this presentation, it has nothing to do with your sales skills, and it, it has to do with you putting this in the wrong order. But let's assume you listen to this, and uh, you know maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. But for our clients, I'm right. If you do in this right order, it typically works. And so let's say you've put it in the traffic mechanism, you've put in the lead mechanism. So now all you need to focus is on optimizing your sales process, because most people have like a really long, drawn out sales process, and they do it through silly things right? So they let people book on their calendar 10 days out when you should only be letting them book within 24 hours. They let them get off sales calls because they have a silly objection that they can't handle. Instead of having some kind of objection handling document, they don't optimize their offer based off of sales calls. So everybody keeps on saying that they've been burned before. So they're worried about if they work with you, they're not going to get results. So take that as feedback that what if we offered a money back guarantee? What if you, as the saying goes, remove all the wind from their sales? All of a sudden, it's like, Oh, no, 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 don't worry. There is no financial objection because in writing, as you can see here, we'll give you all your money back if we don't deliver. And then what's your proposal software look like, right? So are you having to manually type up a proposal every single time that someone wants to work with you? Or do you just use a custom template where you type a name, email, phone number, and it gets sent automatically in two seconds and they can sign and pay on their own time? So this last step here is just about taking that final step and optimizing the people that are getting on the call so that you are, Shortening that sales process. So for us, from when someone clicks on an ad to when they become a customer, can be on average anywhere from six and a half to 10 days, where most people in my industry, it's 60 days, 90 days. And so that allows us to get more cash back, especially if we're running paid ads, and recycle the, that back through again. And it also allows us to run a company and do our our revenue numbers that we do with just a few, with a handful of team members, because everybody is being as efficient as possible. So Ironically enough, I would probably say that even if you botch the sales mechanism, like even if you're not great at sales, I've never taken a sales training program in my entire life. Like I was not innately good at sales. Even if you're not good at sales, if you do the first step, the traffic, and you do the lead mechanism right, then people are going to be coming to you and it's almost going to be kind of like a layup. It's almost going to be like a referral of somebody coming to you willing to work with you.
0: Yeah. And it's so fascinating because I learned this in my first business. I was a writer and I wrote a book. Called writing white papers. And after people read the book, they were ready to buy. Yeah. Like they would line up and they would just essentially say, When can you start? You know, that's what you want, right? I mean, that's essentially the same thing that you're doing here, except they bought my book, they read my book, they realized they were not going to be able to do it themselves. And by the way, there was also a free offer called How to Write a White Paper, a white paper on white papers, which was a 10-page PDF. And in there I gave tips, but I also t- said what to look for when hiring a writer and all these other kind of things and in there i essentially identified all the things that uniquely were applicable to me. And I reverse engineered them into this is what you need. And when they would shop everyone else, no one else could meet the objectives, but me. Right. And they saw that I had written a book and some of them said, I'll go buy the book on $20 for Amazon. Right. And then they would read the book and they're like, Whoa, this is complicated. And then they would, some of them would come to me and I didn't need a lot of them because I was charging $6,500 a pop to write these things. And I had the biggest companies in the world lining up, wanting to work with me. And even though I think I'm a good salesperson, it didn't matter because Everybody wants someone saying, when can we start? Right. I mean,
1: and that's essentially what your system enables. Am I right? Even if we're going to go a little bit more advanced here, as you can tell, I like to get like really in the nitty gritty. That book is a great example of a lead mechanism, but it's also a great example of a traffic mechanism. Right. Because I would say that a book titled that, right, How to Write a White Paper, people are probably finding that organically in Amazon and finding it organically on Google. They had no idea who Michael was beforehand they see the book, they see the reviews, they buy it. So the traffic was generated from you writing the book in the first place and having good keywords. And then they read the book and that counts as a lead mechanism, right? And then they're going to go through the book and then they reach out to you and try to work with you. And I, I think, and I think you and I talked about this in our first conversation, but I think YouTube is very similar, right? So YouTube kind of combines both those things together. So when I create a YouTube video on, you know, how to use LinkedIn sales navigator to generate leads, well, we rank number two or number three if you type in how to use LinkedIn Sales Navigator on YouTube. So YouTube's pushing that video out. It has like 200,000 plus views. And I'm not having to do any work to get that traffic. And then the video itself is kind of, I'm like, hey, my name is Ravi. We worked with over 1,200 businesses. We've generated this amount of money online for our clients. And here's how you do it. Oh, and by the way, at the end of it, if you want us to help you with this, you should click the link. So it's like very casually, it's a lead mechanism. It's like a video sales letter in the same function as the traffic mechanism and that's a little bit more advanced but you know I know you have an awesome audience of people who are also marketers and so the more you think how can i combine these two things together right then the less work that you have to do in order to build this machine
0: Ravi, this has been fascinating for so many people at so many different levels. If people want to discover more about you, first, is there a preferred social channel? Maybe it's YouTube. I'm not sure. Where do, you, where do you want them to reach out to you if they want to ping you? And secondly, if they want to discover more about you and maybe even see one of your things in action, you know, where do you want to send them?
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, first and foremost, thanks for having me on here, Michael. I, I really genuinely appreciate it. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And everybody else that's listened to it as well, I hope you guys, like I promised in the beginning, got a little bit of value out of it. Like Michael said, probably the best place is going to be my YouTube. If you want to like learn more about who I am and what I do, we put videos out three times a week on there or my Instagram. It's all the exact same, just at Ravi Abuvala, which I think Michael will put in the notes for you. Can you spell it for the audio folks that are listening? Sure. Yeah, of course. So it's at and then R-A-V-I and then my last name is A-B-U-V-A-L-A. So you can type that anywhere, even on Google. All of our stuff should pop up there. And then as far as where they can go to kind of learn more or if they want to potentially work with Scaling with Systems, the best thing I would recommend doing is we put together a very simple free course that we've built that kind of walks you through these steps of this mechanism in a lot more detail. Each video is like two to three hours long, I think, uh, where I can go a lot more detail than I can in obviously this podcast here. So if you just go to scalingwithsystems.com slash SME for Social Media Examiner, then you'll get taken to a page where you can opt in. And guess what? It's going to be a lead mechanism. So it's going to give you the information and then it's going to ask you, do you want to book a call to speak with our team? So not only will you learn something about it, you're going to go through and see how we've set ours up as well.
0: Ravi, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your wisdom with us. Thanks, Michael. I appreciate it. You're a rock star. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 555. And if you're new to the show, be sure to follow us. If you've been a longtime listener, would you let your friends know about this show? I'm at Stelsner on Instagram and at Mike underscore Stelsner on Twitter. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Stelsner. Thank you for listening to this end part, by the way, and not skipping it. I hope you make the best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.